0: OK, so at the time of recording, the 5th of November 2020, it's the first day of winter lockdown. We're in the middle of a big moment in global politics. And on top of all of that, we've had many tech issues, but we're almost there and just about connected.
1: I've genuinely, I've got like two iPhones plugged in, an iPad, a Chromebook, and none of them are working. we have got the microphone. Look, the, the one thing that should be plugged in is not plugged in. No headphones.
2: I think it's doing it. I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna touch it anymore. I'm just gonna. I think it's. Yeah. I think so. Okay.
3: We are. We're gonna. We're gonna nail this. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that out of the system.
1: I. Um, I guess so. I. Yeah. Just. I didn't touch it. I just sort of came back.
0: Hi and welcome to LPO Offstage with me, Yolanda Brown. This is the podcast that offers you a backstage pass to one of the UK's great symphony orchestras and its musicians, the London Philharmonic Orchestra. In this fifth episode, we're asking how you lay out the orchestra and how different layouts affect everything else. I'm joined on screen by cellist Laura Donahue, Johnny Ryan, who plays the horn, and Simon Carrington, who plays the timpani. Welcome, Laura, Johnny and Simon. How are you doing? Good. Oh, good, thanks. Good. Oh, yeah, very well. Not
3: Thank enough. you.
0: Very good. Very good. Well, let's take our minds to business as usual on tour going to different venues and the different layouts that you've been subjected to Laura I want to start with the strings because of course with the orchestra we see that vast space that the strings take up could you just uh, describe for the listeners what the string setup is for the orchestra sort of in front of the conductor or from the audience what we're seeing
2: well you're seeing always the first violins to the left of the conductor pretty much they're there 100% of the time. The rest of the string sections vary quite a lot. We, The cellos always used to sit on the right-hand side of the conductor yeah. uh, on the edge of the stage, and that was where we were comfortable for many, many years. But I would say in the last five to 10 years, conductors start have started moving us around a bit more. Sometimes they like us in the middle of the stage, in front of the oboes or in front of the flutes. And then the second violins, quite often now, they put them opposite the first violins to get the antiphonal call and response coming through. But that brings its own problems because they're very large sections. So you get the how back many of people the first violins how many violins? Is it 16 in the wow. first violin section? Yeah.
3: Usually, yeah, there'll be 16, or it, but, 14. Yeah, yeah So it's thirty so altogether.
2: if you're the back of the first on the back of the seconds, you can be very far apart yes. from each other. So that, that poses the same problems with playing together. Um, and then the double basses are, can be anywhere. Usually they can be on one side of the stage behind where the cellos are, yeah. depending on what else is on stage. If there's percussion, where, where the Simon is, where the harp is, um, it's quite popular now to put them at the back of the stage so their sound comes straight out. And I, I, I think that's, that's quite impressive to look at and I like the sound of it too.
0: So we've got an idea of where the strings are. Where's the brass section usually placed?
1: Brass section, if you're looking at the stage, is normally to the right to the side of the timpani at the back and just maybe turning around a little bit so it also incorporates coming in behind the second violins and the violas. The horns are kind of a bit... Of um, a link often between the brass and the winds, so we sit behind the winds in front of the timps, or just offset from the timps. The first horn would have a contact with the principal winds, who are all in a group of four, sort of in front of him or her, and then you'd have the link with the timps, and then you know to your left you would have first trombone, first trumpet. The communication between the leading lines of the different sections is always sort of, there's like a little string between that
0: yes so a good you're not
1: you're not very separated from those people at the moment we seem to be more moving towards the corner of the stage if you were looking at this again if you're looking straight from the audience point of view, yes. you'd see us maybe a bit more to the left than usual with the repertoire we're doing it being. Smaller repertoire, there's often only two horns. So we're on the edge of the wind sometimes or sometimes we'd sit two and two instead of four in a row that helps with the communication within the section
0: and Simon we know that you're usually the furthest away either high up we can see you which is wonderful for for the audience and hear you very well have you ever had a situation where your position isn't in that traditional place or they've brought you up front or (laughs) uh, sort of in front of the strings has that ever happened
3: Oh, in front of the strings it it has happened yeah again totally repertoire dependent Mm. but I remember doing a piece in the proms a few years ago which was I think the first Bartok piano concerto and there's a lot of a lot of music that that is just piano and percussion and timpani together and it is just so much easier when you've got that contact with the pianist, you know who's right next to you to play together. So that was uh Vladimirovsky's idea was was just to get all of us, percussion and timpani, down down to the front. Wow! Uh, so I was sitting more or less where the principal cello usually sits, and um, and that was a that was a very different experience for me. You how know, was what, how, how you, was
0: it for you? you? Obviously, had your shining moment, but how was it for you now being in front of everyone?
3: A bit hair raising, even for me, who's <laughs> Lacking in that department. did you have
0: to behave
3: um, a bit better? Yes. Had to, yeah, well, yeah, you can't have the little uh, little sides with, with people that you usually have, but primarily it was just really good from a musical point of view because, as, as I was saying earlier, what you always struggle with is the from from an ensemble point of view, when you are so far away from the people that you're playing with, or or can be mm. um, a lot of the time, if, if you're playing things with the strings who are obviously nearly always at the front, uh, there's a lot of guesswork that goes on and a lot of visual cues as well that you have to pick up. And experience kind of hopefully teaches you over the years yeah. to what to do and what not to do. But when you, there's very few situations where you can just go with your instincts and just play exactly where you feel you should play. You're always qualifying it with, with some other factor that is a, of a geographical nature. So what's it going to sound like? out there what's it going to sound like from from the podium and, and in the audience you've always got to factor that in and it can become tiresome can to imagine. put it mildly so, so not to have to think about that for that particular piece was really really nice actually
0: Well, at the time of recording this, you are in the middle of your autumn 20 live streaming concert series on Marquee TV. And this episode is called Swapping Seats. So uh, let's start with your concert last night. How is the orchestra laid out for social distancing, Laura?
2: Well, the strings are greatly reduced. So for example, in the cello section, we're usually eight or ten Cellos, and now we're only six, so we're spread out. amongst wow. that sort of space, yeah. So it's a real shame not to have all our colleagues with us, but some of us are there. So we are now sitting two meters apart.
0: And how does it work for you, Simon, being sort of a, in a different section of the orchestra? How does social distancing
3: work for you? Well, um. Fairly used to being distanced from most people. That's where people um, want me, I think, is is as far away as possible. So there's not really um, a huge change. I've got trumpets sort of nearby. I mean, in the repertoire that we're doing, it tends mainly to have been just trumpets in the brass so far, that uh, that we've been playing you know Beethoven symphonies and that kind of thing. Sure. Um, there are trombones in in the last movement of Beethoven five that we did in the first program, but they were they were way round the corner, so I you know didn't have any contact with them at all. And oh, no. um, whereas usually I've got the first trombone tempo sitting right next to me, and we have a good you know, we have good fun there, and obviously have that kind of contact musically that is is really really important. But at least I've got you know, I've got the trumpets nearish. I don't have the horns anywhere near, so I'm I'm missing Johnny um, a lot, you know, because you you just uh, you know in all ways socially and and musically of course he could be in a different hall for uh, for all I know. So Absolutely. that's um, that makes it a bit difficult. And then then the winds are obviously further away than they normally are as well. So yeah, I do feel a bit isolated back there.
0: And uh, Johnny, are you missing Simon as much as he's lovingly missing you?
1: <laughs> of course, of course, I am. it's always good to be able to sort of turn around. One of the things I'm missing most is the ability to say things you know to each other Surely. quietly <laughs> <That when laughs> like you have the, whatever whatever the yeah, whatever about the playing difficulties <laughs> with the distance, but it's sort of you know if the conductor's doing something with the strings and you just want to turn around and have a little chat, how are you? how's it going? That that's sort of harder to do when the person's further away, and so you lose. I think these days when at work, that little social glue that that happens during rehearsals. You know, maybe you should be totally quiet and totally focused, but it's not realistic, really.
3: I've got to say at this point that I'm I'm actually always I am always totally focused, and I'm <laughs> constantly telling Johnny and to I'm turn not around. all of the stories i sh- need sh- media excitement oh, but yes. I do agree. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's
0: true. <laughs> and and Johnny, you know, as a horn player, how does it affect yeah. your playing also in terms of, I mean, do you have to play louder? Do you enjoy that feeling of having the space, being less cautious?
1: Yeah, I think that you do play louder because you feel you have to communicate over a bigger space. So I think the natural thing to do is to play a little bit louder. I would say that the whole orchestra in general is playing louder just because if you play really quietly and some guys three metres away, they don't hear you. Yes. And so, so you're kind of leaving them on their own when that happens. At the same time, you've got to respect the music and play quietly. So it's in this sort of really weird thing where your instincts for what you would have normally done for the last 20 years are tweaked. It's sort of the same but not the same. Yes. The, the, the feeling of playing is the same, yet what you hear, your awareness of other instruments is very different i mean the fourth horn if you you know when you think about it is like eight to ten meters away wow that's a long well, that's way true. away for yes. somebody who who you would be used to hearing you know in terms of if a horn section works sort of based on a kind of a roughly soprano alto tenor bass sort of thing mm. um and you've got your four parts and you don't really hear Maybe certainly don't hear the fourth once you struggle maybe to hear the bottom two. You just about hear the second if it's if it's mezzo forte or above. So you, you don't have that bed of sound that you're used to.
0: That's really interesting. I'm seeing Laura nodding along there talking about the horns now the cellos are more spread out some
2: of us are quite near the horns (laughs) and uh we're hearing you loud and clear don't worry (laughs) which is actually I love the I love it so it's great and um on the whole we're in the string section we're much more comfortable um we've got room Mm -hmm. to move we've got room to play we're all very happy.
1: You're on single stands as well, aren't you? Yeah. Which wow. we, we love. We love <laughs> it's it. <a> luxury.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, we've got all this space around us. Because I was thinking back to when we're normally playing a big repertoire, say Marla Symphonies on the festival hall stage. Sometimes I I think I don't have enough room to play. And I just think, well, I will we'll just try. And quite often it works out, but sometimes, you know, your viola player has to move a little bit and you think, well, if I actually, if we actually have contact, then we'll adjust. Yes. But, or if I'm doing a big, spread pizzicato quite often I do hit the person to my left on the head or on the shoulder yeah so that's not an issue anymore so we're we're definitely feeling freer.
0: Simon how do you think this new layout works for the conductor we were speaking in our previous podcasts about conductors and you had the amazing Thierry Fisher uh, conducting last night how do you think he has to adjust?
3: There's tangible you know a very noticeable difference from where I sit which is much further back than I normally am because what they've done in the festival hall is take the choir stalls out so that we're further back in the stage and they've also put an extra extension on the extension at the front by taking some seats out of the stalls so that means that the distance between me and the and the conductor and also the, the conductor and the, and the players well, all over the stage is much bigger than it normally is so from a point of view of where you play I mean, we're constantly I think we're getting used to it now but you're always in danger of sounding late as a timpanist, or anybody at the back of the orchestra. That's yeah. the the major complaint is either late or too loud or often both. I'm not saying that Thierry... Uh, leveled those accusations at all but but that's a a general thing that you have to be aware of the whole time yeah but now even more so with actually where you play I'm going to always try and lead the sound for that reason if I if I feel that if I don't play closer to the front of the beats than maybe some other people do I would just will sound late so
1: that's a major thing that I miss with not being near you is that is that I would have latched onto you without thinking all the time for years. Now we're way across the other side of the hall and the horn naturally faces backwards. So it is a late, what you might call a late instrument anyway.
3: Not having that, I mean, Laura's happy, which is great. Laura, I'm so happy that you're happy.
0: But I don't think we're happy. Playing behind Perspex screens, have you experienced that either either due to COVID or due to sort of acoustic protection as well. And how does that affect your performance and you hearing your sound back? I guess I'll start with you, Simon, because I guess you've been behind the Perspex before.
3: Yeah, I'm used to being behind Perspex screens in a recording studio where they want them obviously for the reasons of of just containing your sound and being able to make it more mixable Mm. afterwards. But on a concert stage, it feels as though you are in that box again, where you're really not wanting to be, and you want contact with people for the reasons that people want to be protected. If the screen is is right, is close to them, then that's okay. But when it's actually, it actually starts off being close to me, then you do really, really feel feel that uh, sort of break in the in the contact between you and the people around you, and you can feel your sound sort of bouncing back at you. I mean, yes. I, I know that brass players, trumpet and trombone players probably have, or well, definitely have a even bigger issue with that than I do, but um, it's not something I enjoy when I, I see the, the screens uh, spread around. Yeah, They've got these uh, wraparound things now as well that go around people's heads that really do, I think they absorb so much sound, and and if you've got one of them then that's one thing, but multiply that by lots around the stage and around the orchestra, you really are reducing the, uh, some of the harmonics and overtones sure. of, of the whole orchestra.
0: Can you just describe that wraparound for me? I don't think I've come across that.
3: Yeah, well, they, they look like um, <laughs> something out of Star Trek or something where they literally, they've just got a like a big, thick Bands that that wraps right around somebody's head and and ears, and it it sort of reminds me of um, an old lady in a you know in the in the hairdressers' in the hairdryers, the yes, yeah <laughs> thing going on. I don't like the screens at all. I don't like wearing them. Just
1: people are more aware of perhaps long term damage, so they're looking mm. after their hearing. But I do think that I as soon as I put something like that on, I I, I it takes like ten fifteen percent off. My enjoyment of playing with people. like So personally, I don't use them. Or if I do, it it would be for a specific situation where I might lean back into it. You occasionally get like a hit or a crash sort of sound that comes out of nowhere. That's a bit of a surprise to the ear. Yes, yes. And if that's the case, then that's where I, I notice it. But it's so rare, really, that I would feel I'd need them. I think I've used earplugs like maybe twice in my life.
0: Wow. I just don't I
1: just don't it cuts out what, what the vibrations of, or the whole feeling or the whole sense of being part of the frequency of the orchestra.
2: Yeah, my situation's quite different because yeah. In the normal situation, we are squeezed so tightly together. I'm very often right next to the piccolo. There might be three or four flutes. And so quite often I do use one of the Perspex screens that sits behind you and they're curved. Yes. So it sits behind your head. And quite often I also have to wear the custom earplugs, which yeah, which I've made with a mould and so it fits your ear perfectly. But it's, it's not great. Yes. I mean, you do it because you have to look after your hearing. We're doing this another 20 years or
1: something I was but just going to say well, maybe in 20 uh, years we'll have a we'll come <laughs> be back a different we'll conversation see, we'll see if yeah. we can what actually have, have a come <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh that's sure. interesting yeah. so, yeah, no, so no, you do use them a
3: lot more just so you know I don't possess any earplugs we had all these levels measured you know over over quite a few years in concert and, and in rehearsals and and that kind of thing and then there was a big presentation at the end where i think the conclusions of the team that was conducting the research were that the noise levels weren't anywhere near what they were expecting. Yes. Yes. Um, apart from the the spike noises that will just suddenly happen if you're not prepared for them then then, then of course they are dangerous. Of and course. um and this uh this chap is giving the presentation he said firstly that people that were really in danger were well, one of them was was the tympanist and uh, and the and the spike levels that your ears are occasionally getting are, are akin to somebody water skiing and um, falling over on the water and slapping oh. your, your ear on the, on the water you know at speed now i happen to be a water skier that's one of my hobbies and so i said to this guy so for a water skiing tympanist is really doomed right <laughs> and and you I said, really yeah, Oh, them. wow that would be really <laughs> terrible so so i've not really taken much um kind of interest in it
0: can you tell me of any other sort of unconventional or experimental
1: layout? So we did, we did a messian at Expecto with the brass and percussion and wind. Um, and that was unusual because you would obviously normally have an audience. And because we don't have an audience, we all went to where the aud- you know, we played it from the audience seats. So, and the conductor was on the stage facing us and we were where the audience were. And he, um, and that was interesting to use the space differently. You know, the audience not being there gives you the opportunity to use the hall a little bit differently for different things. Exactly, so, it looked um, quite
2: funny. Bit. It looks really yeah, impressive seeing <laughs> the conductor yeah. the other way round on yeah. the stage.
0: Yes. Odd. Yeah. <laughs> And what about playing in a pit, in an orchestra pit? Because, of course, I'm I'm envisioning throughout this whole conversation, I'm envisioning, you know, the Royal Festival Hall stage, that big, expansive space. What about having to go somewhere and be playing in the pit? Does that happen often? And what is the layout like when you get down there, Simon?
3: Well, of course, we in ordinary times have the privilege of playing down at Glyndebourne for three, three and a half months Um each year, yes. and we have our own sort of pit set up there we have a default set up for me that means I'm pretty much in the doorway. oh,
2: yeah, we have to squeeze round you to get in to the him. corner, <laughs> yeah, everyone has to squeeze around <laughs> oh, and they
3: all. Yeah, you know, you feel as though you're always sort of getting in people's way, which you are, but there's not <laughs> too much I can do about it. But once we're all in and, and the doors are closed, then it's such a different experience. What you can hear there doesn't resemble what you can normally hear right. on a concert stage. So, for instance, when the orchestra is playing a tutti, you can only really hear the people that you're closest to. I mean, I depend on hearing the higher frequencies in the orchestra. Mm to kind of inform what I want to do and sometimes, well a lot of the time in the pit I can't hear what the first violins are doing at all um, I can hear the only the people on my side I can't hear the horns because they're on the other side if everyone is playing at the same time then you know that the person next to you can hear the person next to them and, and there is a sort of chain there so you you can be reasonably confident that it'll sound together, yes. but um, it presents its own challenges in, in other ways.
2: At Glyndebourne, we had the singer running through the strings in *Barbara of Seville oh. to come and sing from the conductor's podium. So that had to be done quite carefully because, again, in the pitch you're quite squashed with tight for space and someone bounding through, wow. um, singing his heart out was, um, yeah, we had to make sure we gave him a bit more space. Keep but the bows yeah. down.
1: I remember going to a Boston concert. I was... With a youth orchestra and it was one of the first sort of orchestral concerts I'd ever gone to. And what I loved, and I was sort of at the edge looking down from one of the choir seats somewhere and I could see the orchestra, I could see what was going on. And what I liked was the little interactions that went on during a concert, which you wouldn't normally see if you were, you know, 15, 20 rows back, but you, you got to see... You know, the little, somebody might, I don't know, share a smile about some bit or they might sort of do a sort of gentle sort of shuffle just to say, well done. And all of these little signals that I didn't know when I was growing up. And it is interesting. There is a sort of unspoken language that goes through an orchestra during a performance, which... You know, I think you don't get to see unless you're sitting kind of close up. And-
0: I think you're spot on with that, Johnny. And I think that's also what's lovely about this podcast. There's so many things that come up in the conversations that I hadn't even considered. When you're going to these smaller theatres, what is it like and what sort of incidents are happening where you're a lot tighter together?
2: Well, it's really squashed. I mean, sometimes not everyone gets to play the concert in some of the really small halls. Oh, um, even if you're all on some- tour? Someone would, yeah, sometimes people, there's just no room, they just but have a day off. doesn't often happen. They have what? a day off, they go I didn't lunch. know that very rarely, It's never happened to me. <laughs> you're we you're need a bigger section for Simon. Simon. <laughs> oh. yeah. But, um, for example, the music for Ryan, which is, a, of course, one of the most famous halls in the world, is actually quite a small stage, right? And quite it's quite staggered, so the um, cellos can be. You can be raised up a couple of feet above your colleagues in front, um, which takes some adjusting too. But other things about touring, especially when the cellos are set on the edge of the stage, some stages are really high and um, you can be sat on the edge. And your colleagues, this is in the old days, when we had a large repertoire, your colleagues can say, can you move a bit to your left? Can you keep moving to your left? And, um, you know, you've got a nine foot drop. I think it's the Concertgebouw is quite a big drop it's um not my favorite but even if you have some flowers next to you it's just reassuring (laughs) just to
0: know where your boundaries (laughs) are
2: (laughs) exactly it's like i'm not going any further that's it
3: i do remember doing a concert in there years ago where uh you know it was a huge orchestra doing the alpine symphony and the flowers were at the front and and the flowers did get pushed off the stage Oh, did so they? Go by, by <gasps> a cellists. Oh my God! Yeah, so then that shows you just so how, right, so how, how close they were. Well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> At least the flowers <laughs> so were the have first to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Laura Donahue, Johnny Ryan, Simon Carrington. Thank you so much for joining me today on LPO Offstage. It's been fantastic hearing all of those stories. Thanks, Yolanda.
2: Thank Pleasure. you very much you.
3: indeed. Pleasure. You're welcome. <laughs>
0: This is LPO Offstage with me, Yolanda Brown. And thanks so much to Laura Donahue, Johnny Ryan and Simon Carrington for their fantastic insights into the life of an LPO player. Do remember that you can stream all the LPO's current concerts on Marquee TV. Just go to LPO.uk forward slash autumn20, and you can watch each concert free for seven days. There's a new one every week, so keep your eyes and ears peeled. You can subscribe to this podcast, rate, review, tell a friend, and get involved in the conversation. You'll find all the links in the description of this podcast and using the hashtag offstagepod on your social media platform of choice. Thanks very much for listening and do join me for the next episode, which we're calling on stage now which will be all about the rituals of the concert what you see on stage may not be all that it seems